Hi, I'm Julia. And I'm Sam. I'm a composer. And I'm an actor. And this is the 29-Hour Podcast. Julia and I both uh, spent a lot of time developing new uh, pieces of theater. We actually met um, developing one of Julia's musicals. And along the way, we've gotten to work with some incredibly talented, super smart artists. We always just want to pick their brains. So this podcast is our conversations with those people that we are excited to share with you. This week, we're talking to actress Austin Danielle Bomer. Enjoy the episode. So what would you do on a Saturday morning in Pittsfield if not have a dance party? Oh my God. Well, well how many Saturdays did you I have in Pittsfield? I was going to say, I didn't have very many Saturdays in Pittsfield. <laughs> I think I only had one, actually. Oh, wow. I had one Saturday in Pittsfield. No, no two. I had two. Yeah. Yeah, two. One was the last day of performances. Right. Um, and then one was, um, I don't know. I was. I think I was still buried in <laughs> in all of the the learning that I was doing at the time. So I think I was probably like right. waking up, looking at my script, reading it, going to the gym, coming back, making food, reading my script again. Um, so we should probably <laughs> say for the listeners yeah, yeah. at home. So. Austin and I both were just working on the show Fall Springs that um, Austin came in just for the last week because yeah. our um, leading lady, Elise, a former guest of this podcast, mm, um, <laughs> had to take off a week early for another project. And so Austin came in, which meant that she had you you had like six days yeah, up I mean, in I, Barrington. I actually had I had more time rehearsing than I did performing. Wow. Oh, right. Yeah. So I, I rehearsed, I think, for seven days, and then I performed for five. Right. Okay. Yeah. So can you <laughs> describe like, how this arrangement came to be, like how this was proposed to you and why it sounded like a good idea? Sure. I mean, it was, it was um, always, that was always the way that it was going to be. I was, you know, from the very initial audition, it was, um, it was, it was going to be a situation where I would be replacing um, in this like weird little final week contract um so I knew that going in and and when I was auditioning for it I you know I don't know I was just really excited about the project and the material and I liked it a lot um and I don't know if I I think I I just didn't really think I was gonna get it, you know what I mean? Like I just was like, wow, I don't know. I felt really great about it, and I was excited about it. Um, but yeah, I mean, when when it was offered to me, I had known from the very beginning mm-hmm. that that was what it was, you know, that it was gonna be this short little weird stint. Yeah. Um, so I auditioned twice for it, and then I got a call that mm. I was, was gonna be doing it, and it was. Yeah. Can I ask when you say like you didn't think you were going to get it? Was yeah. that like for any particular reason or just like I don't know because um I did feel quite good in the room, you know, and Stephen Stephen Brackett is so lovely. Yeah. Um you want to know why I think I knew actually okay, all right. Now that I'm remembering. I do think that I had a good feeling about it and this is an odd thing, but I um I'm also a teaching artist for um, artists striving to end poverty, or A step, and um, I always love an audition where they like ask you what you've been up to, you know, or uh-huh. they're like, "How's your day?" you know, or "What's going on?" Yeah. 
And I actually think it came to be because I was wearing my Nasty Women Vote shirt. And, and everyone who was behind the table was like, oh my God, like I love your shirt. That, mm. Oh no, I think I was wearing a Hillary Clinton shirt. Whatever, either way, I was wearing a provocative political shirt. <laughs> and, um, and I said something like, oh man, yeah, I love this shirt, but you know, I, I wore it to teach the other day, like totally not thinking, thinking about modesty. Mm-hmm. I was like, yes, yes, this will be very good. It's a t-shirt. And, um, mm-hmm. <laughs> and then all of, my, all of my students were immediately like, nasty women, what does that mean? Nas- nasty women vote. So I got myself into a bit of a, a situation <laughs> in, in the classroom. Anyway, so I had, I was talking to them about this, and I was like, "Yeah, I was teaching a weaving workshop," <laughs> and um, I just was like, told this whole story, and it wasn't like funny or poignant, you know. And I was like, "This is really like a good look at my life," you know. And I think that was why I felt like I had such a good audition, actually. Mm. Because it's rare that somebody, um, like, allows you to take up space. Yeah. And, like, say, like, hey, here's this weird little tidbit about my life. And, you know, I just felt very grateful that they were, like, so listening and so there with me. Um, so I guess, then I, I guess then from that point on, I did feel pretty attached to it because I was like, oh, um, I would like to get to do this. But I think that the length of the contract made me feel like uh, probably, I, I don't know, somehow. Yeah. It just I, felt like random. Yeah, and I was like, like it's, uh, who knows? Yeah, yeah. Right. Like it would be okay. awesome to do. But and then, uh, yeah. And yeah. And then you did it. So <laughs> what was the week of putting you in like? Um, <laughs> I watched the show a lot. <laughs> um, so I was actually housed with Elise, the aforementioned Elise. Mm-hmm which could have been so odd, right? Like, you know, Sam and I have talked about this a lot, but like in any other situation, if you were to be housed with the person that you were taking over for, like recipe for like yeah. awkward tension. Weird competitive vibe. Totally. Yeah. Right? And Elise is just like the chillest most generous woman yeah so that wasn't something that I ever had to worry about which awesome yeah it was awesome um yeah but I was taught I was taught um the show by um what I think it was basically like the the assistant to the director who was sort of an intern but Aaron is uh, an incredible young woman. Yeah. Um, and so I was grateful to get to work with her who had was kind of relaying a lot of the things that um, Stephen had had been talking about in the rehearsal process. And then I worked with the stage manager, Renee, and then I just like did the show in my room <laughs> <laughs> over and over again. The cast was also great. Um, in terms of like helping me to run lines and not only hear it inside my brain. Um, I don't know, it was all a blur. When you were doing it, was there a sense of like recreating Elise's performance versus like yeah, that's a good question. Like, doing your performance or did those sort of seamlessly blend together? Yeah, um, there was never an expectation 
that I was going to do the same thing that Elise did, which I think is also rare. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know if you've ever... I haven't. ...replaced anyone, Sam? No. And I don't actually know your experience either, Julia, so... I don't act, so I have no cool. experience really. <laughs> have you ever replaced anyone in a work environment at all? <laughs> um, I don't know. I feel like in any work environment, coming in and replacing someone is always like, oh, yeah. there are shoes to fill. Um, and I, I had understudied before. Yeah. And in a lot of situations when you understudy, it's like you're expected to keep the show together, which means mm-hmm. like do your best impersonation of their performance mm. so that you don't throw people off. Um keep everything afloat, you know, which I think is a fair thing. Um, That's sort of what you sign up for in that position. But from the very beginning, it was like quite clear that Elise was really, really wanting to empower me to make my own choices in developing Eloise, my own Eloise, and that um, everyone on the team who I wasn't getting to work with had also explicitly stated that. Um, yeah, it was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Sam, did that feel so good to like you guys who have been doing it the whole time to have this totally new energy? It was in? cool. Yeah. I mean, uh, <laughs> there, I, I had like, I had never, um, done a show with someone that I hadn't like gone through a whole rehearsal process with before yeah. just because of the way that my career has shaken out. And I have to admit I did have like trepidation like I wasn't like worried especially once you showed up and Austin was like so on top of everything from the first moment Mm. um but you know I didn't I didn't know how it was gonna go I didn't know how it was gonna like affect me um but it was really cool and I I I like there was that vibe in the room of just sort of like we're all gonna like figure this out together and we're all gonna bring what we all bring and I felt very able to respond to what you were doing instead of like trying to remember how I responded to what Elise had been doing. (laughs) Sure. Yeah. And it was different, you know, it It was was, different. It was totally different. And I'm not even sure that I knew how different it would be. Like, it wasn't like I was watching Elise's performance and feeling like, well, that's not what I'm, (laughs) (laughs) you know, I watched her performance and every night I was like, Oh damn, like she's so good. And it's such a beautiful representation of Eloise. And I think I like believed in a lot of the things that she did. It's just like, how can you possibly expect two vastly different people to deliver the same energy? Yeah. Um, yeah, but I was, I mean, I actually don't even really know because I don't think that we've ever really talked about because we did work pretty closely together in the show and knew virtually nothing about one another when we started. Right. But I, you know. The thing that, the thing that um, Elise and I talked about this in the rehearsal process, which is that like for a majority of the show, we do talk to each other a lot, but Eloise rarely looks at Felix. So So there is something about like not knowing too much about each other <laughs> that like isn't uh-huh. a horrible thing in this scenario <laughs> even though we did have a lot of close work to do together yeah. um but <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah for sure i mean i also did <clears throat> i also did appreciate that i could like feel you know a lot a lot of um anxiety from some people in the cast of course because 
it's such an odd thing to be doing this regional run somewhere. It's just not, it's like um, uncharted territory. Nobody yeah. has ever really been, been doing a regional run and for the last five days had somebody who was integral to the story come in and like shake everything up. Yeah. But I was, I was always very grateful to you, Sam, because I felt like even when I arrived, you would like come into the dressing room and even if you didn't have anything to say, you'd just be like, hey, how are you feeling? You yeah, I mean, I was I was trying to I was I was hoping to try to make you feel as welcome as possible. Yeah, because I was imagining that like it might be really challenging to show up to an environment that's already sort of like fully formed and of try course. to like wiggle your way in, especially when you're tasked with like playing the lead in the show. Mm, yes. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. But, and I, and I, that's exactly what it did do. You know, I, f I was really, really grateful for that, for that, um, support, but I also felt like it, you know, this is something that's like quite common in our, um, business, right? Like people come and they originate a role and then they leave and they do something else and somebody else comes in to an already established vibe and they have to seamlessly, sometimes carrying the show on their back, mm -hmm. seamlessly integrate into this, um, you know, I don't know, this already existing framework. And it was something that was so cool about this, um, doing this project was that I don't think that people get to practice that. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. that's not something that people teach you in college. Mm -hmm. It's not something that... Um, that I don't know that anyone you can't you can't possibly practice that right and I really felt like this was like all right if you're ever going to take over for anything in like a really high pressure situation not that it wasn't already high right. pressure because it was right. um but maybe slightly less so than like being on a national tour or in a Broadway show and being right. like oh okay all of a sudden I'm gonna like hopefully these people are okay with me coming yeah. into their space. Um, do you, yeah. So that's really interesting that you felt like it was practice. Like, did you feel, do you feel like you learned, learned something about how you might want to go about it next time if it ever happens again? Hmm. Or is it not as um, like cut and dry as that? Yeah. I mean, I think I definitely, I definitely learned Actually, this is, you know, we're just going to be talking about Elise and how great she is. <laughs> <the podcast>. um, <laughs> um, but actually something that I, um, a lesson that I learned from her fairly immediately was just like um, being willing to, you know, I also felt quite young coming into the, to the environment hmm. um, and, and wanting to sort of allay my fears of like stepping on toes and making sure because I knew that if I didn't feel like I could take up space then I I would not be able to do good work right um and sometimes in those environments where there there's already an existing energy and also y you feel like a, sort of an outsider it's hard not to feel like you're you're stepping on toes yeah um and, and sh we had a lot of conversations about like just feeling totally okay to to say like you know what actually this is what I need in this moment mm -hmm. and um you know I I 
so I think a good example of this is just that I, I had actually seen this in an interview. Um, I forget somebody who was, maybe it was like Shoshana Bean <laughs> taking over mm-hmm. in Waitress. <laughs> um, and she had said, somebody asked her, like, Are you, have you been watching the show? And she was like, no. Hmm. <laughs> like, I watched it once, you know. <laughs> like, I, yeah, because I wanted to know what it was like. But, mm-hmm. like, you know, I'm reading the script. Yeah. I'm reading the script and I'm yeah. learning the music and I'm, like, doing it on my own in the studio. Because I, there's no way that I can that I can create my version of this person if I watch this over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. And then in some conversations with Elise as well, like... I I had to kind of get out of my anxious self and be like, no, 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 like, it's okay. This is, I trust myself and I know that I know the show well enough that I don't need to watch it over and over again. Mm-hmm. That that will actually create, um, like, a lot of habits that are not, not what I want. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that probably was, like, just learning... Um, even in an environment that doesn't feel as comfortable where you haven't been there since day one to be able to say, Hey, in a respectful way, like this is, this is actually what I need. And I, um, I've done the work and I hope you can trust me to, to also know that, uh, that I'm, I'm going to show up and I'm going to show up in a, in a way that you'll, will make you happy, but you got to let me kind of figure it out on my own. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> Yeah. Wow. It's huge. It's like a big life thing in yeah. general. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Yeah, that is hard to it sounds like it's basically like asking people to trust you. Like how to gain yeah. people's trust. Totally. But you also I mean like I mean, it seemed to me at least that you showed up to that first rehearsal sort of like knowing like pretty much everything. Like <laughs> y- like so you can I, 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 feel, I feel like you backed up that saying, like, please trust me by, like, proving that you could be trusted. Sure. You know? I think that's the, I think that's the thing that I'm learning more and more. I've had so many wonderful opportunities to work with um, people who have been in the business for a long time. And I always just try to be quiet, like, as much as possible in those situations. Because, like, there's so much knowledge there. Mm-hmm. You know? Like, how can I just, like get them to tell as many stories as possible Mm -hmm. and like through osmosis just like you know Mm. learn learn from them um but I think so I think that's the biggest thing that I've learned is is just like you can advocate for yourself and you can say you know what actually I do think that in this situation we have differing opinions and this is something that I need and I you can do that but if you do, number one, of course, you have to be respectful and, um, you know, know that you're that you are uh, coming from a place of of also listening. But but more than that, you have to know that you're also doing your work. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> because if you ask for something and you're like, well, I, you know, I need this thing in order to do my best work, that you're also not like going home and, and making sure that you show up. 110 percent then it, it's also hard for people to trust you yeah right to to trust that that ask however small or large it might be is worth it mm. yeah 
I don't know, though. It's interesting that you think that I showed up <laughs> very prepared. It really, I mean, like, because we were called for just a few hours during yeah, your rehearsals. Like, yeah. Um, and I think a couple of us were called on, like, the first day you came in just to do music. music. Yeah. And, like, I was thinking to myself, like, why are we here? Because she already knows all of this music. Like, <laughs> and she's singing it flawlessly. Mm. Like, oh, Well, that was, that was the part that I did focus on before. And I, yeah. you know, Mike Petrie um, had put down this, like, L- these tracks for me and uh. he, he like talked me through everything and um and I think this is also a testament to like the music because there's some music that's really hard to learn not mm-hmm. because it's hard for the sake of being hard but because it's just like um it doesn't feel good mm-hmm. sometimes mm-hmm. you know and this music in fall springs feels so good yeah so I listened to these tracks that someone had generously laid down for me, but it wasn't that hard because it all just, I was like, oh, yeah, <laughs> I got this. This is like totally in my brain and I wanted to listen to it again. And so I think that was also part of what, and it's cool yeah. to work on something. I know you believe in the show as much more than I do. <laughs> I'm sure you've been there since the beginning, but yeah, but um it's cool to work on something, right? That that you're like, that you oh care about. wow, yeah. This is uh, you. You can feel how good it is, and and really like enjoy the work and enjoy yeah. telling the story. Can I ask? Um, talking about the tracks you got sent reminded me. Like, I remember throughout the process, I would like notice your name on like an email mm-hmm. about like the daily calls or whatever. Oh my gosh! <laughs> From the beginning. Yeah. Yes. Um, because I was gonna <laughs> ask. I mean, like. One of the things that we talk a lot about on this podcast, uh, since we talk about new work, is like mm-hmm. the development and the way that things sort of change as they, yeah. as as you go into a development process. And like, I was just curious, like, were you were you clocking all of those changes we were oh having gosh, in the room from totally afar? Was, yes. Like how how like <laughs> uh, what was it like being a part of the development process? But not there. But not there. <laughs> yeah. But not a part of it. <laughs> like, um. I think that's why I I was like, wow, it's shocking that you thought that I was prepared on day one because I felt like I walked in on it and people were like, oh, that's not right. That thing you have in your script? Oh, that's not there anymore. This thing? Oh, you learned that? No, that's not. (laughs) You know, of course, because, you know, I worked on, on I've worked on new things before and, and I have been a part of being there and getting like 30 new pages a day and knowing I knew that that would be the case but not being there for it and getting like weird emails about like, (laughs) Hey, like, or, you know, you had gotten ill yeah, during the, maybe your voice sounded something like what mine (laughs) does right now. I sounded like (laughs) the deepest, deepest bass for those two days. Julia actually came and saw one of the performances that I, that I didn't sing. Oh, Julia. (laughs) She didn't see the one that I didn't appear in, but she saw one of the two that I didn't sing. That you like didn't sing. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> Crazy. Well, I understand because, like, literally, I can't, I can't, it's not physically possible for me to sing the way my voice is right now. So, of course, you know, I understand more in this particular moment how you must have been feeling. But, um, yeah, I think uh, it just, it was, it was just, it made me quite nervous to get all of these emails from afar and to not know 
quite what I was, what was happening or, so I think that's what I, you know, I had just gotten back into town from teaching in India for quite a long time. And I had this long period of time before I was going to go do the, the take, taking over this role. So I wanted to work on stuff. Uh-huh. Yeah. You know, I and had, you had the, the time, time too. That's I nice. had the time to work on stuff, but I couldn't really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because then two days before opening night, a, a whole song was cut right. and the, another song, the lyrics were completely rewritten. Correct. Specifically for your character. Correct. Yeah. And like lots of lines, you know, just. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. So. Uh huh. <laughs> so I think um, I was just grateful that I like kind of did somehow make peace with it I was like all right this is I think about a week before I went I started really committing to working every day yeah and would would just work for like two or three hours I was listening to everything on the train and um yeah but it was it was pretty crazy I mean how did it feel for you right there while you were there in the room yeah but I mean as you're telling me this like I'm thinking about yeah there was sort of a lot of new pages coming at us but we had sort of like a framework in our brains for how those changes like what that actually meant to the thing that we were sort of working off of oh you know totally yes yes okay so this is also another thing that that I like uh I didn't even I didn't even know what like the (laughs) Well, like what the tone was, mm-hmm. the directorial oh, tone. Oh, sure, yeah. Do you know what I mean? So and, like, in, and in this show, it was very specific. specific. Yeah, yeah. you're saying for our listeners, you want to take a crack at describing the tone? I don't. I don't <laughs> think I could. I don't think I could. Do you want to take a, yeah, cr- a crack at it from Yeah, maybe as an audience watching? member, you would be the best person to do that. The way that I received the tone was there is like a sheer of like presentational satire that is like, we all sort of know what we're doing here, and there's something a little heightened and wry and aware, but also sort of like full-throatedly emotional, sitting like in cups within that like satire world. Mm-hmm. Yes. Like yeah. I feel like a lot of the songs, you know, some of the songs, especially in the second act, felt very much like just about emotional expression yeah for sure i would agree especially in the second but then act. again like what's the name i mean not to do spoilers but like what's the title of the closing song one, one arm, arm. <laughs> yeah. so, like it's a closing anthem that at once feels like an anthemic finale to a show yeah and is singing about is also a big joke yeah without giving right. too much away right and so like speaking of that song i was i was like you know, so I, I have my roommates, you know, listening to me learn this music. Mm-hmm. And they're, they're like, so, okay, so it's a, it's, like a music, it's like a musical comedy about oil fracking. <laughs> and I, I said, yes, <laughs> yes, that's, mm-hmm, that, is, that is it. Um, and as I got, you know, I got to the final song and I was like, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> So <laughs> there's this thing that I've just discovered and I really need you to, to listen <laughs> to it. So this, this character loses an arm in, in, the, in the musical and the last song of the show is called One Arm. And 
one of my roommates was immediately on the floor laughing. Like, <laughs> she just thought it was the best thing in the world. Mm-hmm. And the other one was like, I'm not sure I know how to receive that. <laughs> you know? Like, I don't really know about that. Um, and so, like, taking that as, as an example of, like, but I don't know if it's meant to be, like, laugh out loud funny. Like, right. are we going to have our fists <laughs> in the air, like, Les Mis style? Mm-hmm. Or, like, wh- you know, what's, what is the point? What, what, how is that going to be um, kind of sculpted? So that's just one kind of sort of one example of, like, just moments, you know, I had done stuff and made some choices in the audition, obviously, that were good enough to get me to to the to the project but I I really didn't know a lot of what uh, yeah. I was getting myself into that feels that feels big totally yeah yeah how much direction did you guys get about like tone? about tone yeah. I mean I don't actually remember us talking about it explicitly very much at all sure because it, Steven is a good director and right. he would never be like so right. This is the tone that I'd like you to right. live with <laughs> us with. Right. You know? But I think <laughs> I think what happened is everyone just sort of brought what they all brought. Yeah. And um, as we sort of felt each other out and felt where we were all sort of like wanting to approach it from, it felt like we created this balance. And like every once in a while, we get a nudge from Stephen or Patrick, our choreographer. Um, if there, there, we, um, there was a bit where, um, you might not know this, the opening number was like very, very heavily choreographed. Um, the first time we learned it, we learned, we learned just like pretty much nonstop choreography Mm. from the top of the song to Mm. the end. And, um, we were, we were very much leaning into, um, so I'll just say the opening number is a, um, a small town promotional video that all of the residents of the town of Falls Springs are putting on in order to try and attract um, um, new citizens and new industry. Yeah. But none of the characters are natural performers. So <laughs> we were a lot of this choreography and a lot of our performances were leaning into um, this sort of like awkward friction between wanting to do this really good small time promotional video and also not necessarily having the capacity to put it over well. Um, yeah. Our characters, not the performers. All <laughs> of the performers were all excellent. Um, and um, a couple days later, we revisited the number and Steven did say like, we're trying to sort out what tone we want to begin the show with. Yeah. And so they they um, pulled back a whole lot of the choreography um, in order to, um, well, I'm, they never really said in order to blank. Mm. They, they, but like, it, we did feel this palpable difference. I don't know how, I don't know if I could describe how it accomplished the thing that it accomplished, but um, a lot, a lot of, the tone stuff went sort of like unsaid. Mm, sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that is, I'll say again, like that is just a testament to to the director. Yeah. You know? But I think it's hard, right, with a piece like that. And when you're dealing with comedy, like how do you, and we kept talking about it throughout the process of like having different audiences and yeah. being like, hmm, 
Do you think that they have any idea what the tone of this is? Well, like speaking about your roommates reacting to that one song, like it felt like that was happening in our audiences too. Probably. Like there were some who instantly were like, this is the funniest thing. It's hilarious. And then there were some who were like, I don't know what to do with this. This is uncomfortable. Yeah. And I think as, as, you know, frustrating as it is to be a performer, like having it feel like the audience is not really getting what you're doing. Like, I think it is sort of a testament to, to Peter's humor because like I sort of am of the mind that like nothing is going to please everyone. Absolutely. But like the people that it did please, they were very, very pleased. Oh my gosh. Yes. Like, well, and what we sort of kept saying, and I was talking to Nico about this, the final performance, but like, feels very much like a cult following type of music. Yeah. You know, like it will be your thing and like you will be obsessed with this musical mm-hmm. or you'll be like that's nah, not for me. Right. You know? Right. Which I kind of love I kind of love being a part of something like that, yeah. you know? Cuz you just commit to it 100% and we think it's funny. <laughs> did you feel that way like coming in approaching the material or did was that something you no. learned? Yeah. That is something I learned. Cuz that's sure. also something I learned from this process after having been a part of the development for 7 years. Sure. Feeling fully on board, feeling like how could anyone not like this? Yeah. This is incredible. Oh, yeah. And then to have that moment of like, oh right, there are going to be people who don't it's not for them. It was so it was it was such a shift for me because I was so this is what I always tell Peter every time I see him is like <laughs> it's like every single time we did a workshop of the show I thought it was perfect and I didn't know how it could get any better and then I would come back for another incarnation and it had somehow gotten better. Yeah. Um and I think I think having that um feeling about the show and then like watching these people sort of be like I don't get it was like really hard (laughs) yeah I was gonna say how do you feel like that do you feel like that changed your um your performance at all oh that's a good question I don't know I think there was definitely a period where I was feeling bummed about it yeah but I was also still feeling super fired up about the show itself and working alongside the people I was working alongside who it didn't seem to have any effect on their performances you know and so I'm still you know committed to the piece and doing my job yeah it it probably did have some effect just because you know wherever we are on any given day tends to inform what we're bringing to the stage yeah in some you know little way or sometimes huge way but (laughs) I don't think it was a huge way in this case no I mean I didn't I I wouldn't have um necessarily guessed that at all I just was wondering if it if it felt like it because I didn't even think about the um how different it would feel you know to have been maybe expecting I don't know if you were expecting to have a certain reaction from the audience um yeah I don't know I don't know if I don't know how consciously I thought about that either but I think probably subconsciously I was expecting everyone to love it just as much as I did (laughs) you know and what's interesting so I ended up reading some of the reviews after we finished and one of them was he he did not like the show to such a degree that 
when he started talking about the cast, he was like, you know, the cast are all fine. Um, they're doing the best they can with the material they have. I won't list their names here because they probably won't want to include it in their bio going yes. forward. You saw I that one? I saw that one. Yeah. I Before never read... you got there or? No, no. Okay, good. But when I was, bef- when I was there. Oh. Because I, because, okay. So I, when I was sitting in the audience and I was starting to get these vibes from people and I was like, what is going on? Like I was literally sitting next to people and I couldn't, you know, people would leave at intermission. Yeah. And I just was feeling like so kind of mad about it. You know, I would be like, Where, whoa, like, I think this is a really great show. And I'm not even like inside of it yet. And I think that as an audience member. Um, and so I did. I read some, I read some reviews. And I think that that particular <laughs> critic really must, yeah, I mean, really must have, because he started he was quite quite mean. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I remember reading that line as well and being like, I'm sorry, like I will be very proud Oh, so proud to put this on in on my resume and in my bios and like just what a oh, yeah. what a terrible thing to, to put upon. It was fascinating <laughs> that like he thought he could read our minds that we were having a terrible time. Like right. I, I, when we were all having an amazing time. Yeah. And love the show. And I was like but that's a little bit what I'm doing when I'm thinking everyone is going to love this as much as I do. You know, it's just on right. flip sides of the coin. Yeah, <laughs> right. And, you know, I've never I've never been a part of something from like its very first reading, its mm-hmm. its first incarnation. Mm-hmm. So I don't like I, I, that is such a special thing to be with something for that long. And I felt like that about Elise as well, you know, and, and wanting to come in here and and honor all of her work. But like, I didn't even, I you know, I didn't even think about the fact that you would have received this, these audiences um, in, in such a specific way, having <laughs> having the weight of what, eight years of like, yeah. of attachment to this piece. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Can I ask you, like, cause there you've you've watched your shows like yeah over and over a few times yeah. Um, how does it feel to you when the audiences are drastically different? I feel like if you're lucky enough to have a couple, like if it's a run, I feel like I sort of calibrate like an average reaction. Uh-huh. Like if a thing gets a laugh 70% of the time, then I can say that like, you know, oh, this audience is an aberration if they're not laughing there. <laughs> <laughs> or yeah. if, you know, if something never works ever and then one time it does work, you can almost be like, oh, well, this, I bet they know someone. I bet this doesn't really work. Oh. But it's interesting. <laughs> like thinking about shows that you workshop maybe like you do a workshop and then another workshop say two years later and you're trying to like compare those audiences and figure out how much of that is the material itself and how much of it is just like the people but also how much how accurately do you remember the audience reaction from two years ago i don't know i mean i pay so much (laughs) attention to it i feel like i do oh yeah yeah okay I would not. I, I would probably. Like I would probably huh. like um, mythologize it in my head. <laughs> totally. You know. Well, because I don't always <laughs> have to compare, like especially yeah. songs. You know what I mean? Sure. Like, what songs do we definitely have everybody? What songs do we feel like we're losing mm-hmm. people? Like, if you're looking yeah. for what's you know what to cut, what to replace. But I feel like, well, I don't know, because you for Lonely Scroll, you were there at the beginning and then at the, the end. The end, yeah. 
And I feel like it was a similar case to Fall Springs where there were some audiences who were just like so on board, like palpably, tangibly, you could feel in the room. And then there were other audiences where they were just quieter. They yeah. weren't, you know, as responsive. Um, did you get did you get any of those audiences? Like, did you watch? Yeah, no, I think we definitely had some of the quieter ones. But you're sort of you're saying you're able to to sort of like take it on average. I think so. That's nice. I've also had to teach myself <laughs> really that nice. <laughs> quiet doesn't always mean disengage. Right. Like I find myself, you know, really hungry for like the laughs and when are they laughing? Mm. As if right. you know, when it's not like anything that we write like is meant to be like a laugh factory. Like that's like I don't know. I think really measuring what you want it to feel like where someone is just watching a sort of a subtle, sort of quiet emotional moment is hard. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. yeah. It's hard to get a totally. read on Not where that they I'm are. Being like I'm so subtle or whatever, uh, but <laughs> you are. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I, th- I do think that's interesting. And I, um, I do, you know, it's crazy that we're, we're like really, uh, talking about the audience quite a, a lot because, it's it's hard not to not to think about that yeah. Yeah. but in an ideal world right like w- the work should stand on its own i guess but yeah. but at a certain point like we are doing it to engage right yeah with this group of right. people so like what is the line between being an actor and doing your work and being like listen like this is what it is and if you hate it then that's not my problem and also having to like think sort of critically about like yeah. But how can we, as a new work, how how can this develop further? Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, it also sort of reminds me of like the thing that Michael said when we were interviewing him a million years ago about he thinks it's sort of a badge of honor if someone hates your show, you're doing something right. Because it means you're right. doing something sort of interesting and like polarizing. Yeah. 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 It is. I mean, we talk a lot about readings and workshops on this podcast <laughs> where the audience is sort of like the last... The, like almost an afterthought, right? Yeah. Um, and it is interesting to think about the fact that like ultimately the end goal is to put this in front of an audience and to engage them. And yet we spend so much of the process without them present. Right. Yeah. It changes so much. Yeah. You know, it, re- it does changes so much. And what audience you have, you know, where, where you think that, the show might have a life like, yeah. yeah is it a show that would would work in um uh in new york or is it a show that like is really meant to target specific audiences across the country mm-hmm. or yeah. would it be better in you know berlin germany <laughs> I, right like I was, it's like i'm <laughs> not talking about false springs in particular but um yeah i i do think it's a component that that has to be thought about quite a lot um, but I suppose that's only if you're thinking about like commercial theater, right? Yeah. Like, <laughs> if well, you're also interesting, it like thinking about like once the audience is added for something that has like a little bit of a longer run. Like I know when we did Loneliest Girl in San Diego and we were there at the beginning and the end and we came back, you know, after like four weeks or whatever. Mm-hmm. And certain moments had just grown much larger and evolved and we had to wonder if that was like you guys getting a read on the audience every night and be like oh okay this is this seems to be where people you know want us to be going right and fall springs also evolved in the like three weeks of its run yeah in interesting ways too 
I feel like I, w- I would not have my yeah. finger on the pulse of that. Correct, <laughs> correct. Um, um. It was interesting. I think, I, and I, I wonder, I sort of, I, I, well, I wonder how much my performance evolved because I don't feel like I was clocking that so much as clocking mm-hmm. my castmates' mm-hmm. evolutions. Yeah, sure. Um, because I'm, you know, responding to what they're doing. So I'm yeah. like, you know, paying attention to what they're doing and i i wonder i wondered in both instances if a um if a more um explicit discussion about tone might lead to less of an evolution Hmm. you know what i mean because without an explicit discussion about tone, it leads everyone to fill in a lot of their own blanks. And when the um, director is present, um, the director can rein in things that doesn't fit with his idea of the tone that hasn't necessarily been explicitly stated. But once the director leaves, as performances grow and evolve, um, I should speak for myself because like (laughs) I'll say that like I had my own idea of what the tone of both of these shows were that some of these evolutions made me wonder if I was on the same page as Mm -hmm. some of my castmates and and not to say that like my way is right and their way is wrong because I don't feel that but it made me wonder if the director had been present if Mm -hmm. they would have reined it in if they would have embraced it and how that would have affected how I thought about the tone seeing the director's response to this thing that I didn't see as part of the tone I was interested when you said earlier that like it's a testament to good direction that he didn't sort of explicitly spell out in so many words like this is the tone can you talk a little more about like why why that's like a less good environment to be in sure I mean I think that probably if you asked Stephen as a as an outside eye, what, you know, what was the tone that you were going for? I'm sure he would be able to articulate something quite brilliant, you know, but I don't, but I think that he would never have said, this is what I'm, you know, it's, it's like giving an actor an adjustment and saying like, can you just cry though? (laughs) Right. You know, Mm -hmm. I just really, I really just, you got like real tears (laughs) (laughs) and you're like, okay. Thank you for that. <laughs> that is so helpful. Right. Yeah. Let me just do it right now. Okay. <laughs> um, and and somebody who I consider to be a really like awesome actor's director. Yeah. Will be like, okay, what's really going on? You know. Yeah. Like what what is happening and and like what are you trying to do and what's you know they will just ask you a million questions until you arrive at this idea that they were probably trying to plant in your head all along <laughs> you know but they just um have a really artful way of kind of like yeah pulling that out of you yeah um, and because saying saying something like here is the tone can feel kind of like limiting mm-hmm. and yeah. it, it can feel like it can like limit the the area in which you're allowed to play i agree I agree. Yeah. And I think it also, I think it also makes people lean into like, oh, like this is like a, this is like a product and we're going to like deliver this thing Mm -hmm. that's going to be, a tone feels sometimes, can feel like um, 
like a bow that you wrap up mm. the, the the piece with. Mm. And so that everyone who's in the audience will be able to be like, oh, yes, like I see exactly what it is because mm. it has this color bow on it. So, of course, <laughs> you know. And I think, um, yeah, I just think it's lovely when it doesn't have to be that. Mm. Yeah. But like, clearly, Julia, you are able to very easily articulate <laughs> a tone that I think two actors who got to work on this piece would be like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, because I do I think it was, it was very clear and specific. So it's interesting yeah. how organic that was. I think at. also, yeah. like, one thing Stephen is really good at is, like, getting the right people into the room. Yeah. Who are interested in, like, telling the story that is is there to be told yeah. as opposed to interested in other things <laughs> sure yeah sure yeah it's always interesting to me too like how how people curate a cast of good humans yeah yeah i don't know how how people do that you yeah, know me neither I don't, I'm, well, I'm like glad that that's not my job. Like you saying, you know, when you came into your interview and you're like, well, I talked a little bit about the shirt I was wearing and like, you know, yeah. my political beliefs and like that I teach and, you yeah, know, yeah. like, I wonder, we're probably subconsciously better at identifying good humans than we realize we are. Mm. Yeah. That's true. I've had the reverse actually happen. And, you know, one of the rare times when I've been in interviews, I've seen people who I love and had the director say, she seems like she's going to be difficult. I don't like her mm. energy. Oh, wow. Which I don't know if they were because that person didn't end up like doing that project. Right. It's interesting to me, though, the choice for a director or anyone on the casting, behind anyone behind the table, to choose to um, like get, get a, a temperature of a human being by talking to them about their life mm -hmm. and not by like, making judgments on their work oh, yeah yeah right yeah and that is i think what's rare yeah yeah because i can count on one hand the number of times where i've walked into the room and somebody has looked me in the eyes and said like how are you yeah mm. like yep. what's going on in your life right now you know yeah that's really cool so of course he attracts good people because he takes the time to like actually want to know. Yeah. You know. <laughs> Can I sort of like um take a left turn here? Yeah. I'm curious cuz <laughs> we met working on a world premiere yeah. of a new work. I also noticed that you've done Gypsy three times. Is that right? I have. <laughs> I would just like to go in the record the same. I was about to say, can I pivot here and ask that exact question? That's hilarious. Well, <laughs> so, so, but my exact question is like, do you feel an affinity for new work? Like a particular affinity? Is this something you're conscious of as you navigate your career? Or did I just happen to meet you in the right moment? You know what I mean? Never mind, that wasn't my question. No, I, do. I do. I mean, the, the thing that I did before... Um, Fall Springs was a new play mm -hmm. and I would love to work on new stuff. Mm -hmm. I feel sometimes like people um, perceive me to be uh, somebody who can sort of like float through time periods. Mm. Mm -hmm. So I find myself often working on things that are not contemporary, which is also wonderful. Um, 
Is that something you feel about yourself? I don't know how you would feel that about yourself, but. (laughs) Yeah, I do. I think, I think I've, I don't know. I think I've lived a lot of lives. (laughs) Okay. If that, um, can, can relate. Uh So I do. Yeah, I do. So I think that like, um, Yes, I feel that way in the way that I dress. I feel that way in the way that I communicate with people. Like I like to, I hate texting. It it's I it's makes me angry, you know, because I would like to be able to like take the time to actually write something thoughtful and not just like write something really fast that makes no sense. There's also something very like precise <laughs> and sort of timeless about the way you speak. Uh well, thank you. I feel like also my voice right now is so like, uh, uh. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. But I would like to do more new work. I, I would. Yeah. I, I love um, the conversations that surround it. Uh-huh. Mm. Like I love talking about like well, this moment, like what, what would change if we like did this slightly different thing? And like, you know, this human communicates in this particular way but if we slightly change her word choice then suddenly like you learn something totally different about her that's really exciting to me yeah um so yeah i would like i do feel like i have uh, an affinity <laughs> but Good but come to our side <laughs> yes yes um but one that's perhaps a little um un- untapped at the moment hmm. but Yes. I am curious. I mean, and m- m- we can lean back into this gypsy. Yeah, I, you played Louis three times. I did. In how many years? One. What was that like? That was my with first three year out of completely college. separate directors' productions. Correct. That's crazy. It was crazy. So, so it was my first. Yeah. So I graduated college in in the spring of 2017. I graduated from the Webster Conservatory. <laughs> um, and it like was I didn't have a job right out of school, so I started. Um, I like went back to New York, was there for a couple of months, and was super lucky to um, start auditioning immediately. And kind of spent that first summer just auditioning a ton, and got this um, job. What the first one was at the Engaman, Long Island. Um, and I really believe that they just like took a chance on me, because I was twenty. I was twenty. One, one. I turned my twenty-second birthday was opening night of that production. Oh wow! And usually, Louise is played by somebody who's like thirty, thirty yeah, in yeah. their thirties. So I don't know how that happened, you know. Like I, but it is a dream role. It was a dream role yeah. and continues to be. Yeah. Um, and then. Gosh, the the director of the second production came to see the first production, <laughs> and I got an email. Oh wow! That's <laughs> I was, wild. I couldn't I couldn't come in. They did want me to come in for an audition, and I was doing a play in St. Louis, and so I couldn't. I was um, I was out of town for the holidays, so then yeah, um, and then I did go in for Sacramento Music Circus, which was I think like the craziest one that I got to do, you know, because it was freaking Carolee Carmelo, right? So I'm literally, now I'm 22, and I'm like, <laughs> what am I doing? <laughs> this is stupid. <laughs> um, yeah, 
And it would, but like none of that would have happened if it weren't for, everyone always says, you know, it's who you know, it's who you know. And that's such an icky saying, I think, Mm -hmm. in my brain. But this, this first year out of school really did give me a great perspective on like, no, it's not like a gross, it's who you know, like it's who you schmooze with. It's literally just like show up, be a good person, do good work. And people will vouch for you. I also know that I only was able to get those other jobs because the directors of each production talked to the other people I had worked with. Yeah. And if I had been a horrible human being, I was sharing dressing rooms with people mm-hmm. and like driving back and forth from New Jersey to Long Island, like very intimate spaces. And it's just cool to know that like that alone like just being making nice connections with people actually is like quite a weighty thing yeah (laughs) I'm kind of curious because like to me doing the same show three times with three different directors it makes me wonder like if it felt similar to like new work where it's like mm. where it's like oh we've got this material but we're going to try a totally different take on it you know I, I don't know yeah. how different these productions felt from each other but just by virtue of the fact that they had different directors they must have been a little they different. were different yeah. they were different I will say because Louise and Mama Rose have such an important um that, that, that is this musical right like their yeah. connection is the musical that that I would say even more than direction the difference between the three was in the different women mm. who were playing Mama. Sure, yeah, absolutely. They were all so different. The last scene was different in every one. Uh-huh. And very much like you were talking about, you know, in having this new person yeah. in something that you had worked on and, and felt like you were like, I know Felix. Like, yeah. Felix is mine. I figured mm. this out. Right? Like, right. I totally, yeah. I've, I've explored yeah. every part of him that is possible. And then this new person comes in and you were like, well, oh no, like, there's this little corner of Felix over here that I've never explored yeah. before. And I have to because this person yeah. is inviting me into this corner with them. Yeah. That's what it felt like, yeah. you know, of being like, oh, man, like, okay. That's cool. Yes, it's so cool. I think also it's, um, it's like a very unique thing to get three powerhouse women to get to learn from. Yeah. Um, and to just be able to respond to, um, and and they were all so unique and so so different. So it did, it felt very new every time. Every time I felt like I knew something or knew the musical or knew the character or knew really anything, I was forced to like look at it a, a different way. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds pretty exciting. <laughs> I think for a long run. You know, it wasn't a long run because they were three separate things. But it's similar to a long run, right? Yeah. Like I spent a year of my life, my young life, <laughs> not that I'm not young anymore. <laughs> but I spent like the, that first year out of school with this character. And I, I had never done something for that long before. Yeah. So getting three completely different chances at it with different people's ideas to kind of like knock around in my brain and 
yeah I still look back on that year and like I don't even know how it happened (laughs) (laughs) it was so cool (laughs) since you are still relatively young yeah (laughs) I'm curious like when you think about like your long career stretching before you do you have like specific visions and intentions about how it's going to be or how do you think about the future yeah I do and I don't like I feel like I I have very I don't know I think when I was quite young I had like very specific ideas about like this is what I want to do and this is what's going to happen and um like every moment that I live I'm like oh yes like I have no control so (laughs) Um, (laughs) so like how can I um, make peace with that I think the thing that has remained though for the last many many years is just that I um, would like to work in as many mediums as possible I got my degree in acting I'm a huge Shakespeare nerd Um, I think a lot about going to grad school I think I might still do that it will depend you know but I want to do everything. I want to do TV and film, and I want to. I love musicals, and I want to do stuff like that. And I um, want to work on new stuff, and I want to work on really old stuff. And I love the classics. And um, it's very rare that you get somebody who's who people allow to. Mm-hmm. I think lots of people can do stuff like that. <laughs> can can be quite diverse in, in their skill sets, but I don't think people allow them to be. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel very passionate about fighting for that, um, yeah. the, allowing people to be as diverse as they actually are. Um, and I, I hope that I I don't really care about like any sort of end goal. I just want to work forever. I, w- I would like to be like an, a 95-year-old actor who's like, you know, crawling onto stage and like doing your you know or whatever three tall women or whatever whatever it is like yes I would really I just want to be old and still doing it and to be able to look back and be like wow I got to do so many different types of things and that's really it that's all Rob <laughs>